From New York, it's Friday, February 10th, 2017. Welcome to Alex News, the podcast where ignorant comedian Alex Diane, that's me, reads the news and reacts with confusion and anger and possibly compassion and intelligence, if I feel like. Here are today's top stories from my Google and Reddit-powered Personal liberal echo chamber, chamber, chamber. From the Hill. After appeals court ruling, Trump has two unappealing options. The Ninth Circuit, the appeals court for the Western United States, refused to lift the temporary restraining order, TRO, which prevents the government from implementing President Trump's immigration executive order. It was a short trip to the Ninth Circuit, and the lawyers for the government leave it bruised, though not beaten. Like most court decisions, the Ninth Circuit's opinion has exciting bits and boring bits, but the boring bits are often the most important. Let's discuss the exciting part first. Who will likely win? In considering a TRO, the law requires the court to guess which party will prevail. This is called likelihood of success. The Ninth Circuit held that the plaintiffs were likely to win on the claim that the executive order deprives persons of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Based on prior Supreme Court cases, the Ninth Circuit held that the due process clause applies broadly not just to citizens. Aliens who are in the United States unlawfully have due process rights as well. The plaintiffs also claim that the executive order amounts to religious discrimination. The Ninth Circuit reserved consideration on this point. Nevertheless, the court observed that the trial court could consider evidence beyond the language in the executive order itself. This is crucial because plaintiffs' case hinges on numerous statements by President Trump and his advisors that they intended to implement a ban on Muslims. Now, to the boring but crucial parts. The government argued that the courts should not even hear this case based on the doctrines of standing and political questions. Let's consider them in turn. The Constitution limits courts to hearing cases or controversies. A potential plaintiff can't just sue because she is angry. Courts can only get involved if the plaintiff has suffered some concrete and individual harm. The courts call this standing. Okay, wait, okay. Hi, people. It's me, your friendly host of the show you're listening to. Um, so now, now I, think, I think when they say, let's consider the boring bits, it's not that, these, the, this, it's, that it's boring. It's that it's uh, a little more difficult to describe and possibly to understand. Now they're getting into constitutional stuff, talking about the Constitution. As soon as they start talking about the Constitution, it's like, oh, boy. Because the only people, I don't, I don't know, I think the only people who know anything about the Constitution are the Supreme Court. Like, they're the only ones who have read the Constitution. They're the only ones who can act on it. Uh, when, you, when you say the word Constitution to people who aren't on the Supreme Court, they're just like, uh, they look at you with a blank face. Even if they're like, you know, Ninth Circuit judges or whatever, they, they just don't know from the Constitution. <laughs> uh, that's probably not true. Aren't they saying, if they're mentioning the Constitution here, then it was probably employed in this case, right? Okay, let's see what they're saying. 
limits courts to hearing cases or controversies. A potential plaintiff can't just sue out of anger. Courts can only get involved if the plaintiff has suffered some concrete and individual harm. Okay. So you can't just sue for the hell of it, although that's kind of what how Trump likes to use the courts. Uh, but you need concrete and individual harm. The plaintiffs, the states of Washington and Minnesota, argued that their public universities were harmed because of the executive order's effect on international faculty and students. And the Ninth Circuit agreed. So that seems like uh, that, that it's less easy to argue that than um, than it is to say uh, that that the that the people coming in aren't getting due process and and uh, well that was the other thing the due process life the executive order deprives persons of life liberty or property without due process of law that seems like it's easier to argue than um, whether, an, whether a university is harmed because international faculty and students aren't there. Because isn't the whole point of the executive order that, like, actually your university is safer now because you don't have all these international students and faculty, uh, uh, you know, potentially destroying that university? I mean, just by just by the internal logic of the executive order, the, those universities are being done a favor. Uh, can but I don't think I don't think. <laughs> luckily, I don't think this executive order is being vetted by its or judged by its internal logic. I think it. I think that's like the problem with Trump is that he's all internal logic. Like, and I think there is an internal logic to him. You, you know, I, that's, that's, the, that's the thing that maybe we're missing with our, like, media coverage of Trump is that, like, there, as, as much as he does, like, he'll say one thing and then he'll say another thing, uh, and as much as the things he says conflict with reality... I think there's an internal logic and if and there must be a way to trace it like there's got to be some journalist somewhere with the homeland like board of like the wall with the pictures and red string tying lots of little pictures together and the I I think if we if you if you follow the crap that he says then it's like and that's kind of what they're doing is like I think they're following when they say that the case is, is here. Um, the plaintiffs also claim that the executive order amounts to religious discrimination. This is crucial because plaintiff's case hinges on numerous statements by President Trump and his advisors that they intended to implement a ban on Muslims. So they're following the internal logic. They get this, they get this ban, this executive order, and it says it's not a, it's not a, a, Muslim ban. <laughs> this this Muslim ban isn't a Muslim ban. Uh, 
but following the logic of well this ban is the same ban that they that they were talking about when they were calling it a muslim ban before they had to worry about crazy things like the law uh implement so so now so now based on that internal logic it's a it's a muslim ban and now but the other thing is that like based on external logic otherwise known as logic it's also a muslim ban uh so so why why does the case hinge on the internal logic I mean, I think that that's just like a better case because he's said so many times, we're going to do this Muslim ban. It's a better case than to say, hey, look at the Muslim ban. It's a Muslim ban. And so somehow the the internal logic of, tr of Trump just saying crazy stuff is now being considered more prominently in the case than just than people's regular eyeballs of look at the muslim ban that's that's not good enough it's not good enough to say hey the muslim ban is a muslim ban we now have to say look not only is the muslim ban a muslim ban but according to president trump the executor of the muslim ban the muslim ban is still a muslim ban whether whether you're inside of trump's asshole Outside of it, no matter how far up Trump's asshole you are, this Muslim ban happens to continue to be a Muslim ban. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, what else do we need to know here? So this, the courts call this standing. You can't, you can't sue just because you're angry. So you have to get people like um, the states of Washington and Minnesota arguing that their public universities are harmed. But by internal logic... See, that's the thing. By external logic, your universities are being harmed. But by internal logic, they're being saved. The internal logic of the, of the order and of Trump is that fewer Muslims mean you're the opposite of harm. The Ninth Circuit also agreed that the courts had the power to review the executive order. Some matters, for example, strategic decisions in a war, are essentially unreviewable by a court. These matters are political questions, meaning they are left solely to the elected branches of the U.S. government. So the Ninth Circuit, a court, gets to agree that the court, that it, has the power to review. So, so see, it's like if you have the power to say whether or not you have the power to do something, then you have the power to do it. <laughs> that's, that's internal logic. Or, or that's regular logic. That's just logic. If you, if you get to say, well, we have the power to review this executive order, then skip that part and just review it. I guess it gives you the power to say, eh, boring. Don't want to review this today. Let's say we don't have the power to do it. I guess you could do that. But if you're, if you're a judge, you probably want the power over everything. You got into this game to get, to get power for yourself, and you're going to take it. I wonder, I wonder what percentage of the time when a court gets to say whether it has the power to do something, what percentage of the time does it say, nah, not for us. I bet it's a low percentage. Could I look that up? I don't even know what I'd type into Google. The U.S. argued that immigration is one of those matters. Um, 
that it has the power to review. Okay, this was always an uphill battle for the government because the courts have, in fact, reviewed important immigration matters before, including in INS v. Chata, taught in most constitutional law classes. And there is a link there if I would like to constitutional law class myself up a little bit, but I don't. The Trump administration has two additional reasons to be worried about this decision. First, it will likely lose the next round of litigation concerning the preliminary injunction, a court order made in the early stages of a lawsuit which prohibits the parties from doing an act in order to preserve the status quo. It will likely lose the next round of litigation, it being the government, the Trump administration, concerning the preliminary injunction, a court order made in the early stages. Uh, okay. So the, that's the, we know what the injunction is. That's, that's, the, that's when they said, hey, you can't do this Muslim ban. Ordinarily, TROs last at most two weeks and are not reviewable by a higher court such as the Ninth Circuit. There is an exception when a TRO operates essentially like a preliminary injunction. Oh, they were right. This got boring. This got boring. This is why I'm not a lawyer, among many, many other reasons, uh, none of which have to do with my intelligence, by the way. Maybe maybe my grades, but no, not my grades. If I wanted to be a lawyer, I'd have had to get, get better grades, right? I would have just gone and gotten better grades if I wanted to be a lawyer, right? But I think I actively didn't want to be a lawyer. I, I didn't want to end up a lawyer or a businessman. Uh, I, the, there, it, had there been a reason to get better grades, I feel like I would have just gone and gotten them. Uh but I think I didn't like getting good grades. And therefore, I figured, well, I'm not going to like all these jobs that require good grades. I want to sit and read the news into a microphone, but not as a newscaster, which might require some good grades, but as an idiot on the Internet. And so I don't need to know. I don't, I don't need to know the history of constitutional law. Okay, oh, good. Here, I found a paragraph that begins with the, with the sentence, why is this important? And it has a question mark and everything. Because they know I'm stupid. They know I didn't get good grades and go to law school, or good enough, or I don't know, maybe I probably have good enough grades to go to some law school. I could have gone to some law school. If I wanted to be a lawyer, you know, I could have I I finagled that. Maybe, I'll, maybe I still will. Maybe I'll become a lawyer. Maybe in the post-Trump world, like... Uh, law is, guys. I can't even. I can't even get through that sentence with a straight face. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just. I'm just a guy who's wondering why is this important. The trial court in this case has set a schedule to hear the plaintiff's request for a preliminary injunction. Oh my God, am I not a lawyer? Well, that's. I mean, that's what this article is essentially telling me. The first half of the article tells me that. It tells me the facts of what happened. The the Trump Trump lost the appeal, and there's going to be and here here are some of the things that uh, that the that the courts were uh, deliberating on. And then, but once you get to a certain point in the article where they start to say, "Here are the boring bits. Here are the bo- here's the boring stuff," it's really this is the part of the article where they're like, "Look, you're not a lawyer." Stop trying to understand this. We're going to present it to you as, in as simple a, a layman manner as we can muster. 
in as simple a layman manner as we can muster. Um, but you're not going to get it because you're just not smart enough. You didn't have the grades. You didn't go to law school. You're not going to make up for it just by clicking on the links in this article, okay? You don't know shit about law, folks. Why are you even still reading this? Well, you know what, article? You can't stop me. No matter how many times you warn me that I'm going to be bored, no matter how many paragraphs are in the article, I will not be deterred. I will not stand down. I will continue to read things that I do not understand because I'm an American and I get to. Okay, all right. They treated the prior TRO as if it were a preliminary injunction. So basically, the court said, hey, Trump, you can't, you can't ban Muslims. And sometimes this is a TRO, which I already forgot what it stands for. Sometimes it's a preliminary injunction. Basically, it's the court saying... Stop it, but but before they've really had a chance to say, hey, cool it off, cool it a minute, stop, just stop. Like they need a they need to go through all their court stuff before they can be like stop. But initially they can be like, hey, cut cut that out. But there's a there are different ways of saying cut that out. So it's like you can TRO them, or you can preliminary injunct them. But, but you got you can't just say cut that out. Even though that would be so much simpler. Courts, oh man, you're lucky. The courts are lucky. I didn't go to law school because I would I would turn over the whole system. The whole system would be different. They are lucky that I'm a comedian and an ignorant one at that. Because if I were a smart comedian, oh, I'd come. I'd I'd overhaul those courts. Oh, <laughs> I don't know how that would work. I would like. What would I have to do if I could be on a witness stand in like a murder trial and the the judge the judge would be I'm always I'm always like afraid that I'm going to have to go to court and just just to like be a witness or something. Yeah, I saw I I saw the guy. That's the guy right there. He was the one who who stole uh the apple from the fruit store. That's him. That's the apple thief. Um, but then the judge would be like, uh, if, if you, if you step out of order one more time, Mr. Diane, uh, you, uh, will be in, held in contempt of court. And, and I'm, uh, that, that's, that's my fear is that I'm going to be held in contempt of court, not because I'm acting up in court, but just because the judge can see in my face that I have contempt for the court. The, he 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 just he just see me like like look at him uh, cross-eyed uh, just just like eyeing the court the jury look, looking the the jurors up and down and he'd be like this man has so much contempt for this court that he needs to be he needs to go to jail for a night but but my contempt for the court would be so so strong that it would actually it like somehow it would change things like like the lawyer the lawyer would be like your honor the the witness's contempt for the court is is righteous and correct and the court needs to change and the judge would be like sustained and courts will forever be different that's how it works I think, according to this article, if I'm interpreting it correctly, that is how it works. 
Okay, all right. Why is this important? The trial court in this case has set a schedule. Oh, wait, we read this paragraph. They set a schedule to hear the plaintiff's request for a preliminary injunction. They're treating the TRO as a preliminary injunction. Second, the Trump administration may be saddled with these Ninth Circuit judges in the future. On a later appeal, a party can request the same judges as heard the first appeal. The judges can decide whether or not to grant that request. But if you were a judge on this case, wouldn't you want to stay on it? Aha. Uh-huh. So I guess I don't know if this I, I, I don't know exactly what ca- what future cases they're talking about. But it seems that these judges can again decide whether they have the power to make decisions. And this article is predicting that, in fact, they will. Oh, interesting. I had the same prediction article. Perhaps maybe I can be a journalist. Maybe if I had... If I... If I... Okay. All right. Stop finding jobs for yourself, Alex, and just interpret the news. Uh... <laughs> okay, all right, that sounds very much like journalism, right? Is this Does this count as journalism? Is what I'm doing right now journalism? If I report on my own feelings, is that journalism? If I tell you, I'm happy today, uh, did I just journalize you? It is very unlikely that the government will seek and bank review. Oh, they just used fucking French or something. And even less likely that the Ninth Circuit would grant it. It is impossible to predict what the Supreme Court will do, but in recent controversial matters, the court has proceeded slowly. It was more than six years after the establishment of the Guantanamo Bay detention camps that the Supreme Court ruled on the habeas corpus rights of persons detained there. The most likely result of the past few days' legal maneuvering is that the case returns to the trial court for further, less less rushed proceedings. And when the parties appear again before Judge Robart, the plaintiffs will be further ahead than they were six days ago. All right, so this seems like good news regarding the travel ban. Unless, unless, I guess it's, uh, my fear is that, like, so they're saying the Supreme Court takes forever. So is Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court by the time they go over this? And are we outnumbered? And are the judges going to be voting along party lines like the Congress? Or are the judges so... Oh, well, you know what? Interesting question as we head into this next article from National Review. And first of all, what is National Review? Is it... Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out what their, what their biases are momentarily, I presume. From the National Review, populist presidents and demoralized judges... Hyperventilating critics hope Trump's swipes at the courts don't reach Jacksonian heights. Whoa, let's read that sub-headline again. Hyperventilating critics hope Trump's swipes at the courts don't reach Jacksonian heights. Now, I never remember what Jacksonian means or 
or Kafka-esque or any of this. No, I remember Kafka-esque because that's theater, and I remember that. But I don't. I don't. When it. When it. When you hist. When you uh, turn historical figures into uh, uh, words, adjectives, historical figures into adjectives. I only understand it if it's regarding theater, Shakespearean, Kafka-esque. But but I don't know from Jacksonian. Hyperventil but hyperventilating critics mean means I'm guessing that means that uh uh the critics of Trump I'm guessing that means that the paper here, this national review is on the right, and they're saying that critics of Trump are hyperventilating because they're I don't know, they're girly or something. I think it's misogynistic. I They've got their panties in a bunch. Maybe I'm the one that brought gender into it. I don't know. I'm not sure. Let's read the article. Rich Lowry has a great column on our, quote, overly sanctified view of the judiciary. It comes amid the hysteria over President Trump's rather mild rebuke of federal judges. (laughs) Okay, I think we know where this National Review stands. Particularly James Robart, the district judge who imperiously issued a temporary restraining order against Trump's temporary travel ban, excluding refugees and other aliens from seven countries. To a lesser extent, Trump has also groused about the three-judge panel from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals that on Thursday refused to overrule Robart's TRO. Note, this column was written before the Ninth Circuit's decision, was announced. Oh, but it uh, it wasn't edited, cause you lazy National Review, you lazy. All right, let's not let's not just say whatever mean things pop into my head first, just cause they're a righty, cause they're righty, right, right, righty nationalist review, nationalist. Oh no, National Review. I'm calling them Nationalist Review. Uh, Just call it what it is, White Nationalist Review. There. Over the weekend, Trump notoriously tweeted that Robart is a, quote, so-called judge. On Wednesday, he conveyed exasperation over the previous evening's Ninth Circuit oral argument, which the president saw as straying far afield of the clear statute that he argues persuasively authorizes the ban he has ordered. Don't tell me that Trump argued anything persuasively. He's never argued persuasively in his life. He, he, he persuades people by picking chumps to argue at. You know, he, he, he finds the white nationalists who, who want to be chumps, and he persuasively argues for their benefit but 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 he's not a persuasive arguer if you're if you're a person who's writing an article without just rampant grammatical errors and you're telling me that Trump argued something persuasively then i think what you're doing is arguing persuasively and you're claiming that Trump argued persuasively because it helps you in your persuasive argument, but I don't even think Trump can fucking pronounce persuasively. So, persuasive, 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 la, persuasively, 
I argued persuasively to authorize the ban. Nobody, nobody says that my ban is anything less than persuasively. He he doesn't really mispronounce words. I don't. I don't. I'm just saying, he's not a persuasive fella. He, he he, and and if he is, if you consider him persuasive, then he's all he's constantly persuading. Like you must be persuaded. That must be how like how this works. Like, uh, uh, he is persuasive to these right to these people on the right. They think he's persuasive. They they hear him talk and they're like, you know what, he is the greatest. He he must be right because he keeps saying it and he speaks so persuasively. I just believe everything. I believe everything. It, and he, either you have to believe everything he says, or nothing. Right? I guess there are still a lot of people picking and choosing. There are still a lot of people out there parsing everything he says and going, hmm, it looks like he lied about that. Wow, it looks like he lied about that too. Well, oh my goodness, he look, it looks like he lied about this thing as well. Oh, you know what? He has a point about this. Well, you got to give it to him. You got to give it to him when he has a point. No, you don't have to give it. When, it when, when a broken clock is right twice a day, it's not because it's functional twice a day. It's just because it seemed... It, it, you know how that works. The time passes around it. It's not suddenly functioning in those little bit. You don't have to give it. You, when, when we say a broken clock is tw- right twice a day, if you were to ret- return that clock to the store where you bought it and say, this clock doesn't work, and the person is like, well, it's right twice a day, your argument wouldn't then be, well, yes, it is right twice a day. It does function properly twice a day, but I need it all day. No, your argument is it's totally non-functional. It, it, it happened, it, it landing on the right numbers twice a day is, is like incidental. It's a fun thing to point out, but it's not the clock functioning. You understand what the fuck I'm saying? Anybody understand what the fuck I'm saying? Can I just throw a few curse words to make this less boring? Like like constitutional law is I don't want my podcast to get as boring as constitutional law. Let's just throw in a few fucks. That that's why that's what they should have done in that other article. Just like like instead of telling me here comes the boring part, they should have been like this next part's tough to understand. So we're gonna throw a few fucks in here for your entertainment. That would have been nice of them. They all they they all feel the need to be clean in the, in the realm of journalism. They feel they have to clean up the world, even though they're reporting on everything bad about the world. Isn't that weird? Shouldn't journalism be like the filthiest writing that you can find anywhere? Just the most horrible, violent, pornographic shit that you could ever find. The the fact that things are considered unprintable should be a real problem for people. Shouldn't that be a problem? Things shouldn't be unprintable. There shouldn't be anything redacted out of, out of a, 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 need, a, a need for taste. Oh, we got to have taste. We can't be tasteless. We can't, put, we can't just fill our, our articles with fucks. You know what's happening here? I just don't want to read this fucking righty-tighty article, but let's keep going. 
I thought Trump's comment about Robart was childish and said so on Twitter. Wow, you're quoting your own Twitter? You really are a Trump fan. It was not the end of the world. After all, Robart's order is appalling. It neither explains key conclusions nor addresses the clear statutory authority on which Trump relied. But Trump is the president of the United States now, not a celebrity commentator, and his dig was aimed at the judge personally, not at the poor quality of Robart's work. Oh, man. So this guy is like, well, this this Judge Robarts disagrees with me, so I'm going to take the high road, and I'm not going to personally attack him like Trump did. I'm going to attack the poor quality of his work, as I am the national reviewer, and I review it to be poor. That said, can we dial back the hyperventilation? Oh my God, and he's continuing to call liberals hyperventilators. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm hyperventilating. Oh my God. I can't breathe. <gasps> what? I can't breathe. He's saying that I'm hyperventilating. I, can't, I just can't take being attacked like this on the internet. I'm such a liberal. Oh, I can't take it. Oh, did somebody offend me? What's happening? Did somebody say something racist? I think somebody must have said, my throat only closes up like this when people say racist stuff. I, somebody must have done a microaggression. There must be microaggressions in this article because ah, my throat is closing up. Oh my God. Oh my God. What is happening to me? I'm so lefty. Shut the fuck up. Can we dial back the hyperventilation over how Trump has purportedly called into question Robart's legitimacy as a judge or the legitimacy of the judiciary in general? No, we can't fucking dial back the hyperventilation because we're not fucking idiots under a spell, you asshole. So-called... Quote, so-called, is something of a verbal tick with Trump when he is agitated. Oh, so let's just make excuses for the fucking guy, right? Oh, he's not that bright, so let's make excuses for him. Well, he's the one, this, this not-so-bright guy full of fucking verbal ticks and God knows what else kind of extensions of the idea of reality you want to call it verbal tics, alternative facts. Oh, I was just joking. Oh, he always waves his hand like that. He wasn't making fun of a disabled person. Uh, all, 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 this, all this bullshit. Uh, are you seriously going to fucking argue that in the middle of your article where you're trying to sound smart? You've been trying so hard to sound smart, this article. By, you, you fucking high-roaded the president that you like by say, by by attacking the judge's work as opposed to him personally you fucking high-roaded him and now you're going to now you're going to tell and you, and you're high ro and you're telling me that I'm hyperventilating which clearly I am clearly I am cuz because you're fucking being stupid <laughs> Uh, 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 so so-called is something of a verbal t and now you're just making dumb excuses for bullshit so-called is something of a verbal tick with Trump when he is agitated kind of like me muttering jackass which I try to do under my breath rather than on Twitter I wouldn't read much into it well you not reading into things that don't support your persuasive article is not persuasive to me that's not persuasive. If that's what reads as persuasive to you, then I can understand why you think Trump is persuasive. And then he repeats, I wouldn't read much into it. 
dot, dot, dot. But apparently Senator Richard Blumenthal, Democrat of Connecticut, would. Oh, and he must be an asshole because he is listening to words that the president says. And whereas you're just like, oh, you don't know how to speak Trump. <laughs> you're reading too much into things. You're not following Trump's internal logic. You're, you're stuck. You're stuck on this uh, 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 giant crater in the ground between logic and Trump. You're stuck in the hole. You're, you're, you're just in a ditch on the side of the road here. Crawl out of the ditch and climb into the internal logic of crap Trump says. Our fucking country is the show shit my dad says now. We have, we have senile William Shatner as president. With Judge Neil Gorsuch, Trump's Supreme Court nominee, making the Senate rounds, Blumenthal took the opportunity to chat him up on the president's remarks. There is now dispute between the Blumenthal and Gorsuch camps over whether the judge actually said he found Trump's meanderings, quote, demoralizing, and quote, disheartening. Natch. Oh my God, this person just wrote Natch. It was enough to have the president burning up his keyboard with tweets about the senator's misrepresentations years back about his military service during the Vietnam War. Sigh, dot, 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 end of paragraph. Okay, I've stopped following the logic here. Let's just, let's, let's move on, because I want to know what the fuck he's getting at. In any event, my objection to Trump's tweet burst had nothing to do with my tender sensibilities. It was tactical. Oh my God. My objection to Trump's tweet burst had nothing to do with my tender sensibilities. It was tactical. As someone who used to do this sort of work for a living, I know taking a gratuitous swipe at a judge is never a smart move, especially when it's A, going to rub other judges the wrong way, and B, the judge you've scorned is going to continue presiding over your case. Okay, so you've admitted that Trump is a little fucking baby who isn't even helping himself with his babiness. But your, but your point here is, in any event... My objection to Trump's tweet burst had nothing to do with my tender sensibilities. Well, maybe everyone else's reaction to Trump is also not about tender sensibilities and hyperventilating. Maybe we also think he's stupid. Oh, but you're the only one who's who's going to say, oh, it, that he's being a dumbass. You're the only one who's smart enough to say when the president's being a dumbass and everyone else is hyperventilating and just doesn't understand how to be persuaded properly. Fuck you. Next article. <laughs> From the Washington Post, White House says Conway has been counseled after touting Ivanka Trump's products. The White House on Thursday said that a top advisor to President Trump had been counseled after using a television appearance from the West Wing to promote the clothing and jewelry line sold under the brand of Trump's daughter. The endorsement in which Kellyanne Conway told Fox News Channel viewers to quote, go buy Ivanka's stuff, appeared to violate a key ethics rule barring federal employees from using their public office to endorse products. The White House reaction was a rare acknowledgement of an ethical misstep. 
Conway's remarks drew a sharp and unusual rebuke from a top Republican lawmaker, House Oversight Committee Chairman Jason Shafetz, Republican of Utah, who said that Conway's comments were, quote, absolutely wrong, 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 and clearly over the line. Shafetz, who has resisted calls by Democrats to investigate potential conflicts related to President Trump's businesses, joined with the Oversight Committee's ranking Democrat, Republican Elijah E. Cummings of Maryland, in sending a letter to the Office of Government Ethics calling Conway's comments unacceptable. The letter asked the agency to recommend discipline given that Trump, who is Conway's agency head, holds an inherent conflict of interest due to the involvement of his daughter's business. In a terse comment to reporters Thursday, White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer said that Conway had been counseled on the subject, but did not say whether she would be disciplined. Spicer did not say why Conway's statements had required the intervention, and the White House declined to answer further questions. Speaking on Fox News Thursday evening, Conway declined to comment, but said Trump supports her 100%. Conway said she advised all women to, at some point in their life, have a boss who treats them, quote, the way the President of the United States treated me today. Oh, not caring if you break the law? Oh, it's so nice when the President doesn't give a shit that you fucking broke the law in his, in his daughter's name. <laughs> in his daughter's name, no less. Uh, but yeah, who, uh, yeah, well, why should he care? Why should he care? You, you got to stand by your people, right? You got to stand by your people. I mean, at this point too, like you wouldn't expect him to fire her over that because certainly this thing, although this thing is breaking the law, this is not the worst thing that she's done. The thing about this is this, this is actually the most honest thing that Kellyanne Conway has, that has come out of her mouth this whole time because an advertisement is inherently not truthful. You know that an endorsement, that when she says, go buy Ivanka's stuff, you know that she's full of shit, not because she's Kellyanne Conway, not because she's working for one side of a divided, in a divided political environment, it, it, because it's an advertisement, because an advertisement is an advertisement. And... She is a walking advertisement. I mean, that's her thing. She's a spokesperson, right? So she advertises Trump. That's kind of her deal. But she does that with lie after lie after lie and bullshit after bullshit after bullshit. But but advertisement is a is an acceptable form of bullshit, and it just so happens that she uh that it, that it's the law that in her position she's not allowed to advertise but i guess i guess now we can but but this is a like this is a and 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 if she if this is against the law then who is it up to to what like i guess it now it's up to the president it's up to trump to discipline her like i guess it's up to his administration to discipline her but if this is against the law why can't there just be, like, a lawsuit? Where are the judges? Where are these Ninth Circuit judges? Can these three judges from the Ninth Circuit just follow Trump around and just arrest everyone around him constantly and 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 uh, skip the trial and just go right to disciplining people? No, but she's not going to be disciplined. She was she was counseled. I'm sure the counsel the counseling was, thank you very much for... 
uh, supporting Ivanka's stuff. Here's some free perfume, as promised. Um, try not to do it again unless we ask you to. I bet she got some free perfume out of it. I bet it almost feels like a bet. Like somebody said to her, "Hey, Kellyanne, if if you if you shill for Ivanka on on TV, like if you just slip that in there, uh, free free perfume, free perfume. Is this Ivanka talking? Is this Jared Kushner? Uh, who, f- fuck all these people. God damn it! So many. I can't. I can't position my browser in such a way that there that I'm not seeing Kellyanne Conway. There's just too many pictures of Kellyanne Conway here. And no matter what part of her you're looking at, it's like it's this horrible like it's it's like um if you could imagine Hitler in a MILF porn. Like hit that's what it feels like. It feels like some really like raggedy old half plastic porn actress fucking Hitler. That's what it feels like to look at her. Um, the Conway episode followed other instances in which Trump's political rise and his presidency have provided a promotional platform for the family business. Yeah, I mean, put them all in jail, right? For this reason, if you want to talk about shilling and and promoting uh, all, all this business stuff, I mean, come on, it's time to impeach the guy. Just impeach him. <sighs> oh, okay, I gotta calm down. I gotta. I'm hyperventilating. I'm just a hyperventilating liberal. Uh, air. I need air. <sighs> they're so they're such assholes. And the and the Republicans, like if you're on the other side of it, it's just like, ha ha. Who cares if she's pimping Ivanka's stuff? What's the difference? Who cares if he has business ties? Of course he's a businessman. Of course he has business ties. Whatever. And it's like, and people on the left do it too. When when it's the other side doing the thing, then you're like, ah, get over it. But but or when it's your side, you say get over it. When it's the other side, then it's then it's the biggest deal ever. And but that's right. Like uh, what I'm saying is, Kellyanne Conway saying go buy Ivanka's stuff is the least, let's say problematic. It's the least problematic thing that she's ever said. Because it's an advertisement, because you know it's bullshit by its form. Whereas everything else, she says, takes the form of like things that could be legitimate, like words that could have real meaning. But but everything else, everything else is a lie. Everything else is bullshit, except this. That she should win an award for for shilling for Ivanka because she finally. He broke out her inner spokesperson, her Billy Mays. You, you, you know, she she should be shilling for products every time she goes on these shows. I think she would get more airtime. She'd get cut off less if she would tell you about OxyClean instead of just bullshitting. Also from the Washington Post. Backing away from a fight, Trump to honor one China policy. Beijing. President Trump just backed down from what could have been a serious fight with China. He's weak. He's weak on China. 
the man's weak on China. Print up some billboards. Trump is weak on China. He believes in one China. That sounds suspiciously like America first, but for China, he's not he's not going after China. He supports the autonomy of China. He supports China being a place. He supports the idea that China exists. He's weak. He's weak on China. Weak. On Thursday evening, and sad, sad, sad on China. Trump's, Trump's China policy, hashtag sad. On Thursday evening in Washington, he appeared to shy away from confrontation with Beijing by agreeing to honor the One China policy during a lengthy telephone call with China's President Xi Jinping. The move is set to ease tensions between the world's two most powerful nations. Relations had been inflamed after Trump suggested he would only commit to the One China policy if Beijing addressed his concerns about trade and currency issues. Experts had previously noted with concern that Trump had not spoken to Xi since his inauguration, despite speaking or meeting with at least 18 other world leaders, although the two men did talk by phone days after Trump's election victory. In a statement issued late Thursday, the White House said the two men had held a lengthy and, quote, extremely cordial conversation. Well, if that's the statement that was issued, then we, we can bet they had some kind of, like, screaming argument. The two leaders discussed numerous topics, and President Trump—fuck, I'm not even finishing this White House statement. The White House lied to us again, so fuck the White House. They, they made a statement. Who cares? In return, Z said he, quote, appreciated his U.S. counterpart, Donald Trump, for stressing that the U.S. government adheres to the One China policy, which he called the political basis of relations between the two nations, state news agency Xinhua reported. Ah, uh, isn't it great that—, that now we can relate when when we see state news agencies, Zinhua. That's their Breitbart. That's their Trump's Twitter account, right? We have our own state-run news media now. And let's just hope we continue to have the other kind. The development of China and the United States absolutely can complement each other and advance together. Both sides can absolutely become very good cooperative partners, Z said. As long as both sides are equally evil and are equally selfish, then we can coexist in a bi-selfish, bi-equal uh, earth where there is one China, there is, f first there's America, then there's one China, and then there's all the banned people, all of the illegals. One China, America first, Everyone else is illegal. One China, America first. Everyone else can fuck themselves. Fuck yourself. You're not from China. Fuck yourself. You're not American. Fuck yourself. You're from the Middle East. Why don't you go back home? You fucker. Fuck you. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm just. Ang I'm just hyperventilating. I'm just hyperventilating. <laughs> um, okay. So we got these bullshit. We got these bullshit statements from, from China and the White House, which are now equals. <laughs> sure, they get along. the The only thing they disagree on is, the fact is like, if you if one one of them can say I, we're China and the other one is like we're America. And the, that's the only difference. And the, everything else is just like, oh, you have a state-run news agency? Yeah, we, uh, we got a state-run news agency. What, what's yours like? Oh, well, that's very interesting. Well, our, 
I mean, I'm sure it was a very long, cordial conversation. <laughs> oh, you lie to your people? That's interesting. I lie to the people, too. I lie to my people all the time. Yeah, you ever, you ever advertise to your people under the auspices of uh, lying to them? You know, that's like, is it even, if, if Kellyanne Conway, if everything she says is bullshit, and then she says, go buy Ivanka's stuff, isn't that tantamount to her saying, don't buy Ivanka's stuff? If, it's, if every day is opposite day, and then you, you advertise something, aren't you saying, do not buy this thing? Um, no, but you know what? I'm sure all of the, um, the right wingers who are really into all this stuff and into making liberals, uh, unhappy, I'm sure they're all buying Ivanka stuff. They're all like, oh, we'll really stick it to the liberals if we actually go and buy Ivanka stuff. Well, guess what? You're not sticking it to liberals. You're just, you're just playing into the fucking shit. <laughs> you're playing into the fucking shit. Uh, and every every uh uh red household in America is gonna have this Ivanka perfume or whatever it is. Every every oh you'll be able to smell them coming. You know what, Republicans? Go buy Ivanka's stuff because I want to be able to smell you a mile away so I can get my what get my shotgun ready. What it what it. Well, well, you know, get my bullshit meter out, get my zom- zombie apocalypse gear out. I, 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 I prepare. I pre- to me the the like rise of the Trump supporter and and the zombie apocalypse are the same thing. Go buy Ivanka's stuff, people. Buy it. From CNN politics, Trump finds the limits of executive power. President Donald Trump suffered more than a legal defeat of his immigration ban Thursday night. He ran smack into the limits of executive power. Yes, and well, at least one article said, well, actually, they're testing the limits of executive power. They're, they want to go further than this. Like, they knew, they, they put stuff in the executive order that they knew would be overturned or that wouldn't pass muster just to see, just to see what would happen. Maybe maybe the judges will take their side. Who knows, you know? And so it's good that the this is being defeated. But it's but but like in the White House, are they slamming their fists or are they nodding their heads? Are they just going, Yep, okay, all right. That's what we figured. Would have been cool if we could have just done whatever the fuck we wanted, but but okay. What's next? Three federal judges. All right. Well, we know we know what happened with that. All right. I'm I'm gonna skip the rest of this because it's kind of a repeat of what we've seen from the Sacramento Bee. Crash test dummies get heavier as American body weights rise. It's come to this: America's crash test dummies are getting older and fatter. In an effort to more accurately reflect the U.S. car-driving population, at least one manufacturer is making crash test dummies, the pretend people use to test automobile safety features, bigger and older. Quote, The typical patient today is overweight or obese. They're the rule rather than the exception, said Dr. Stuart Wang. 
director of the University of Michigan International Center for Automotive Medicine in a statement, you can't talk about injuries without talking about the person. I get angry now. I don't think it's funny when somebody's name is Wang. I, I get angry that that's allowed to happen. Like, it should be a law or something, that if your name means cock, you got to change it. Okay? There's, there's a lot of options. There's Wang, there's Wing, there's, you could, t- you could change other letters. You could just, it could be Wango. Add an O to the end, that's fun. Wango! That's cool. I'm not going to complain about that. I'm just, I'm just saying it, it, it makes me mad because I can't hear Wang without thinking cock, and then I feel bad about myself for being juvenile. But it's not my fault. Your name is Wang. It's your fault. Change it. How would you feel, Alex? How would you feel if your name meant cock and somebody told you to change it? I would feel grateful to that person for giving me accurate information that I should, in fact, change my name. Thank you. Thank you. The new crash test models include a 273-pound dummy, more than 100 pounds heavier than normal, as well as a prototype based on an overweight 70-year-old woman. Quote, The condition, size, and shape of an individual is hugely important in how severe their injuries are in any given crash, said Wang, who has studied crash injuries and works with automotive engineers on safety research. And by the way, this is in any language, any language. If your name means cock in any language, or vagina, or anything funny, really, anything funny. If your name has a funny meaning in any language, no matter what language your name is, and no matter what language the funny thing is, if, if you have a Spanish language, if you have a Spanish last name that means cock in Russian, you got to change it. That's the rule. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think the world would be a better place if we had fewer cock names. Because there's, there's a lot. And I get that there are a lot of names for the cock, and that's the problem. And it's like once you get rid of the cock names, new cock names are going to start popping up. And it's a never-ending cycle. I understand that. I don't care. I want to stamp out these cock names. Stamp them out. In frontal crashes, for instance, obese drivers tend to submarine. (laughs) Obese drivers tend to, quote, submarine or slide under the lap belt, the University of Michigan research found. An obese person's lower body tends to be loosely restrained because his or her lap belt has far more slack. As a result, obese drivers suffer a much higher rate of more severe lower extremity injuries. That's a new reason not to be a fat ass, right? That's a, that's a good one. Your, your seatbelt doesn't work anymore. The new elderly dummy prototype has a body mass index of 29. Wait, but isn't that, shouldn't that, oh, that's the lap belt. There's one across your lap, and now it has too much slack because you're fat. There needs to be a new kind of seatbelt, if that's the case. We need, like, those racing seatbelts with the cross on your... Oh, but they're saying you slide under. Well, then you need some sort of, like, giant waist harness. There There needs to be... They can't just say, oh, well, fat people, it's their fault that they're fat, so fuck them. They need a new kind of seatbelt. 
But they're not going to say that. They're like, ah, our seatbelts work for skinny people and fat people can go fuck themselves. Here, we'll make the dummies. We'll make the dummies fatter. They're making the dummies fatter so that they can tell you, well, I guess that's the first step, right? First you make the dummies fatter, and then in order to get higher safety scores, now you're going to have to make your seatbelts fat compatible, right? Maybe? I don't know. The new elderly dummy prototype has a body mass index of 29. Its torso and chest have been redesigned, sagging a bit more than the slimmer physique of a typical crash test dummy. Is it bad that this article is making me hot? Like, like I'm in the mood for some crash test dummy porn right now. I mean, better, better than Hitler milf porn, right? Crash, crash test, obese, elderly porn? An obese, elderly crash test dummy fucking a steering wheel? It, it, that's, that's certainly turning me on more than Kellyanne Conway. According to Wang, an individual's chest structures change between ages 20 to 80. <laughs> I hope all of your structures change between 20 and 80, which means the risk of chest industry goes up 15-fold. Few would have envisioned that people would drive into their 80s, but we have to look at that. According to a statement by Chris O'Connor, president and CEO of Humanetics, a Plymouth, Michigan-based maker of crash dummies and probably the scariest-sounding company in the world. Humanetics? If that doesn't sound like ethnic cleansing, then I don't know what does. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. As the population changes, we must have test equipment that resembles consumers today. And consumers today are old, fat, and ugly. Do they, I wonder if they made them uglier, too. I'm just saying, like, like the, these crash dummies have always been this standard, like, stick figures. Like, if you think of those stick figures on, on signs telling you not to slip on the floor or whatever, uh, crash test dummies are just, like, they're normal. And what they are is they're normalifying. They're normifying. They create a norm, or they embody a norm, which probably any anybody speaking in the interest of people who are like, hey, there is no normal, and there, this is the new normal, and it's okay to be gay and stuff. Like they're gonna be anti crash test dummy because like, and so and so if this were a right wing article, if this were in the National Review, it would be, it would be like, well, liberals are hyperventilating that there are no gay crash test dummies, so now we gotta have gay crash test dummies and fat ones and old ones, and what's what was wrong with the regular white ones? Come on, come on. What was wrong with the white ones? The skinny, the skinny, pretty, white ones, huh? Those are, those are the good crash test dummies. Who cares if other people die in car crashes? Who, who, who Stupid liberals are hyperventilating all the time. Dumbass liberals. That was Alex News for Friday, February 10th, 2017. They, you know what? They're right. I mean, the National Review is right. I was just hyperventilating today because so, all, this, all this crap, it's just getting to me. It's just getting, oh my God, my throat's closing up again. Oh... I can't take the Republican White House. I can't stand Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell needs to die. <gasps> I'm sorry. I'm sorry about what I said about Mitch McConnell. I was hyperventilating. I was that really. I was really going through something there. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, everything Republicans say is correct. Trump is not wrong about anything. Uh, all of his lies are merely. 
um uh uh what what did what did that fucker call it oh a verbal tick they're just verbal ticks when he lies it's just a verbal tick it's fine oh my god fucking asshole stupid pieces of shit i'll believe anything even if they make it up just believe shit that they fucking make up They'll make it up and then they'll believe it. That's how Trump works. And I think all of the Republicans are just like working from that. Oh, you, not only do we believe everything Trump says, but, but now we get to believe shit that we just thought of. We, first we think of it, then we believe it, then we say it. Those are the three steps to creating new facts. Enjoy your day in this god-awful world.